Good evening to everyone that's here in the house and those of you joining us from your house online and our online campus. Glad to have you here and as people are kind of checking in and coming in, uh, y'all having a good week? Y'all having a good week? Okay. It's a good, good time uh, to be here. Thanks for wrapping up your weekend in worship with us. And if you are new, uh, we just love to welcome you here. We know it takes courage kind of coming to a new place. If we haven't met, I'm Jack, uh, lead pastor here. And we would just love to connect out with you and connect with you and help you kind of figure out next steps. So a couple ways that you could do that is you can download our app for free. Uh, if you just go to the app store and click in Elements City Church, you'll be able to find it and uh, download that. On there, you can click the connection card or you can text the word hello to our phone number, which is 520-340-6868, and that will kind of help us get connected with you and ask you a couple questions, respond to that. And if you are new, we'd love to invite you to our 10-minute party in the back. If you're new online, go ahead and fill out the connection card, and we will try to follow up with you this week and connect with you that way. So lots of different things. It's May I heard it's going to be back in the 80s this week, so that's exciting for like a day. Uh, but hey, it's no hundreds. We get a little bit of a reprieve, uh, but glad to have you here. Thanks again for those of you tuning in. We are starting with praying for the Church of the Week, which is our dear friends at LifePoint Church, uh, Pastor Andy and Pastor Dan. Uh, and so if you're here in the house, I'm just going to invite you to stand up as we kind of start off our service in prayer. And if you're online, uh, you can stand up if you want at your own house. You're the only one that's going to see that. So, um, but let's pray together as we begin tonight. Father, we are grateful just to join and be a part uh, of your church. Whether we're here in person or online, we just kind of take a pause to wrap up our weekend in worship. And so we want to set aside this next hour or so, God, just to ask for your spirit to move in our hearts, to meet us right where we're at, whether we've been walking with you for a long time, whether we're kind of just investigating and searching you out. And Jesus, would you meet each one of us? in a way that would minister to our hearts and that would speak into our life. We do take a moment and pray for LifePoint Church. Uh, God, every church has to navigate seasons of life that have its challenges. And so we're just praying that for incredible wisdom and discernment for uh, Dan and for Andy and for their team. We pray your blessing over them. God, in all ways, shapes, and form, would you kind of intervene and be a part of their church, part of their story that's unfolding now, a part of the reality of the church that they are, and to reach the people that you've put before them. God, there's a million plus people in this city that are not connected to any church or any place of faith. And so we're asking that you would bless LifePoint and that you would bless Elements tonight as we gather. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.
Nothing 
just give you this night we surrender ourselves we surrender our hearts to you right now in this moment we know that you want to do a work tonight in us and through us so I'm praying for the grace for all of us God that we would um, have the ability to open our hearts to receive your word as it was meant to be received tonight God that you would open our ears to hear wonderful things in your word. But most of all, God, we're we're praying for just a deep conviction that as we walk out of this room, we don't just feel like we listen to a good sermon. But God, we're ready to go live a life with purpose, a life that's on mission, surrendered to your will, to what it is that you want to do in us. So would you just give us um, a heart for you tonight, Lord? Would you stir our affections and our will that as we hear uh, from you, God, that uh, we're able to we're able to process it, that we're able to um, learn from it, and that we would just as we drink from that, that we would see, God, that you are better, that there's nothing better than you. You're worth it. You're worthy of all worship, worthy of all praise. So just take a moment, pray for yourself. Would you ask God uh, to teach you something tonight, to speak to you? Take a moment to pray for Pastor Jack. Just ask God to anoint him, to speak through him tonight. we continue to worship you through the word and through this message. We're here uh, to listen, to do uh, whatever it is you want us to do. So speak now. We're ready. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we've been looking in this series called The Good Life, trying to figure out what does it really look at. And it's really kind of this concept of, of saying we want to live the God life, that the good life that the world promotes will, will ultimately kind of end in uh, detours and distractions away. But the, the God life really is the best possible way to live. And we've been looking into the Beatitudes, kind of this manifesto of Jesus as one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter uh, kind of 5, 6, and 7. And we've been looking at the very front part of that sermon that he would have given a lot of times in these kind of this Beatitudes, like here's some attitudes that will be a part of your heart. And tonight we're going to look into this idea, blessed, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We have a, a, a passion in our culture for purity in some ways. Uh, how many of you go to the grocery store? Uh, those of you online, you're participating too. Like you go to the grocery store. Maybe you go to the grocery store and my hunch is I've never seen someone walk up with their basket or their cart up to like the produce stand, which is usually when you go in, it's kind of like to the left in the store I go to. I don't know for where it is, but kind of picture it in your mind where it is, where the store you go to. You walk in, you got your basket, you got your cart, you walk up there. I've never seen anyone just start grabbing fruit and throwing it in, right? You've never seen someone just take their arm and kind of sweep it into the cart. No, what you do is you actually see someone pick it up, right? And they eyeball it and they kind of look around. What are they looking for? They're looking for impurities. They're looking for like bruises or something on it. Like they're looking for something to go, that's not good. I don't know why they put that even out here, right? Uh, like anyone ever picked up strawberries that had mold on them? from there, and you're like, hello, okay, someone forgot to check their station, uh, but like, you don't want that, right? And so you're kind of looking, we pursue, and we want purity. We go down the can aisle, right, and we look for cans that are not dented or open, even worse, okay? Like, we don't look for that, right? We're looking for purity, you know, kind of containment of that. Um, we look for boxes as you're going through maybe the frozen area, and they, we're looking for boxes that are not open, right? We want them closed and sealed up, knowing that it's protected, right? So like last week, when I was in the grocery store and I opened up the frozen pizza section, who's with me? Come on. Yeah, you know, it's a good meal because it's like 15 minutes, it's all there. Uh, so like, you know, you open it up, you pull out the box, and the pizza hit the ground and slid. And I was like, oh. And there were people in that same aisle, because they're doing similar things, and they looked at me. And I'm like, uh, and I walked over and I picked up the pizza. And you know what I did? I put it back. And that's exactly what you have done, okay? I put it back in the box. And I didn't try to seal it up. I just put it in the back, right? And I grabbed a different pizza box. Why? It's a frozen pizza. No one could have contaminated this pizza. It just hit the ground with a thud. It made a sound that people noticed because they began to look at me. Why did I put it back? 
because the box was open. And you would have done the same thing, right? Anyone would have put it in their cart? Like, anyone work at a grocery store? Sorry if that's, like, that happens, okay? That's what people do. People are people, okay? And we just put it in the back because we don't want open boxes. We want things to be pure. Americans are increasingly concerned with purity. Purity in the water that they drink, in the air that they breathe, in the food that they eat. But something when it comes to cleanliness or purity that we may even seem to overlook at times is really the purity within. That's what Jesus is getting at here. Blessed are the pure in heart. And what's the benefit of that? For they will see God. There's something that's tied to this that you get to not just see, but the the word there is kind of this, begin to experience God. You, You see, you interact You have this engagement with that. There's a sort of purity with that that's not kind of captured in a box or or it has a seal of connection. It's really about this inside-out kind of reality and condition of our own heart. Our heart matters to God. So in this sermon series, in in the Beatitudes, uh, we've been cautious to kind of say, look, this is about the Beatitudes, not the do-attitudes, right? This isn't about doing these things in order to get God's approval. This is about living in the the full understanding, the full weight of the full gospel. That the grace of Jesus is a gift to you. And it's a gift given to you for you to open and to enjoy. And and then Jesus is teaching his early followers, hey, here's the kind of attitudes that would be a part of your heart. And to guide you in this, Jesus is teaching, if you want to understand what divine happiness is, then pursue the God-lived life. Don't, don't get caught up or caught sideways pursuing what the world says. This is the good life. And we see it in every commercial that we ever watch. Here's the portrayal of what the good life really is. And Jesus is saying, no, the God kind of life is going to lead you. The takeaway for this series, we said, the pursuit of the good life that this world says to seek will ultimately always let you down. But the pursuit of the God kind of life will lead to real joy and true blessing. So Jesus says, it continues, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Uh, What does it mean to be pure in heart? Jack, is that just about perfection? Yes and no. Yes, it's about perfection. Here's the good news. You're not perfect. I'm not either. Here's the good news about perfection. Jesus was and is. And he says, you can have my life. I've given my life so that you may live. And so it is about perfection, just not yours. But purity of heart really is about a pursuit. It's about a pursuit of living a consistent, unfiltered kind of life. How many of you are on the gram, as the kids say, I think? I don't know if that's what the kids say. I just have reached that age in my life where I just, I, th- I say that occasionally, and I've just realized I'm becoming my dad. Uh, anyway, so, um, if you're on Instagram, like, they have, like, I don't know, 1,400 filters, right, that you can uh, go through now, and you can take a picture, and you go, okay, these are the reality of it, and then you go, that's not cool enough. I'm going to filter that, right? And so you slide through for, like, an half an hour uh, to try to find the right filter that makes it pop and seem really cooler than what it really is. And the truth is, Man, we kind of do that with our life, don't we? I mean, so much of what we post is our highlight reels. It's certainly not the 
certainly not the backroom mistakes that we make or, or the ways that we get detoured, the ways that we make uh, decisions that aren't the best for us and aren't in alignment with God's best for us. Uh, we don't really typically post that. And so maybe this whole concept is, yes, it is about perfection, and, and maybe, okay, that's not yours, and that's a beautiful thing, and that's the gift of Jesus, but maybe it kind of is about this pursuit uh, of purity, of authentic, unfiltered consistency in our walk. See, God's concerned with your heart. He's concerned not just with your heart, not just with actions, but like the motives behind that lead to the actions, right? Right? And that's where this becomes challenging. Because if I'm honest, I know my heart. Do you know yours? See, I know parts of my heart that I would never share. But if I'm honest, man, I'm broken. And my hunch is if we could get to the place where we could have that kind of conversation and share coffee together, I bet you would feel the same. Jesus said, take heed. Chapter 6 goes on in this Sermon on the Mount. That you do not do your charitable deeds for men to be seen by them. Otherwise, no reward will come to you from your Father in heaven. See, is it possible to do good things with the wrong motives? Absolutely. We do it all the time, don't we? We make a decision that says, okay, here's the best thing. Here's what needs to happen, but I don't want to do it. But I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, right? We all do that. There isn't one of us that doesn't do that. When Jesus is saying that the blessings and happiness comes from when we are the same inside and out. See, Jesus is saying your heart is important. It's vital. Three different times in chapter 6, he says, and your father who sees in secret himself will reward you. Here's a reality check. God sees everything. Hello. Oh, well, maybe God missed that one. No, 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 nope. He saw that. You ever do something really stupid and you go, man, I hope no one saw that, right? Trip downstairs before, hope no one saw that. I've done really dumb things that hurt people, that hurt my Savior's heart. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I hope you didn't see that. No, he did. Nothing is hidden before God. Nothing is secret. He knows everything. And that's a little unnerving, isn't it? Because we all have secrets that we don't want people, and we don't even want God to know. And most people think they can keep their secrets hidden. God has a way sometimes of bringing what's in the dark to light. And that's why confession and repentance is to be a rhythm of our life as a follower of Jesus. The scripture says, Hebrews 4.13, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That's probably unsettling in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but I hope it also is a reminder that if God knows everything about you, maybe we should try to curate a pure heart rather than trying to continually fake it or put a filter over it. 
And maybe we should just be real with him since he already really knows. Here's the beautiful reality. God knows everything about you and still loves you. Hello. (laughs) God knows everything about you. Not some things, everything about you. Your past, your present, everything you're thinking about for the future. And he not only loves you, he actually likes you. He actually wants to be in relationship with you. And there may be some things that he wants to work on with you. I bet that he has some, because I know he has some with me. But the, the beauty is he knows everything, and yet he still loves us. That's what's amazing. How do we know that? Well, because he sent his son to pay the penalty price for my sin and for yours, so that we could pursue purity, to be clean before him. Purity that he gives us, and also maybe a purity of pursuit that we try to walk in cooperation with him. Scholar John Stott points out that Jesus' words in this beatitude have often been understood to kind of to mean inward purity, and it is that. But Stott also proposed that the core idea expressed in this statement has to do with singleness of heart. A singleness of our pursuit of our heart. And when Jesus portrays this single self as opposed to a divided self, we live in a culture where you can be divided, can't you? And you can look one way over here in this people group. And you can look a different way over here in this people group or this setting or this scenario. And I can be multiple kinds of people. And what Jesus is saying, know that you want the best possible kind of life? Be one. Be single. Not divided. Not a divided self. Not a segmented self. But a whole self that's pursuing purity. The opposite of purity is hypocrisy. Stott describes the purity of heart this way, this very heart, including that their thoughts and motives is pure, unmixed with any uh, devious or ulterior motive. Hypocrisy is deceit or detestable to them. We are to seek a single self. It's also why hypocrisy is really easy to see in others. How many of you have seen it before? It's also really hard to notice in the mirror, isn't it? It's really easy to see in others. It's sometimes really hard to self-diagnose. Because we have a way of framing it, of, if you will, filtering it. Oh, no, no, this is fine. Here's the justification. Anyone else ever have these conversations internally with themselves? So... The truth here, what Stott's getting at, what Jesus is getting at is, hey, what if we just live with a singleness of heart where you're wholly you and you don't let yourself get segmented or divided? Christina Rossetti uh, wrote a poem in the bleak of midwinter, looking in at the nativity of Christ. Here's what she says. What can I give him? Poor as I am, if I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But what can I, what can I give him? I can give him my heart. Jesus, here's here's the whole me. The good, the bad, the ugly. 
here's the whole me. And I don't know how to live a non-divided heart because in my world, it's, it's everything segmented. Everything is filtered. But I want to get better at trying to live with a singleness of heart. Because when you look at Jesus, I think that's what made him attractive to people. Who he was was who he was. No matter the setting, no matter the circumstance, he was the real deal. And that's who you admire. That's who I admire. And what if, what if the people of God, starting with you, starting with me, what if we just said, man, I want to be more the real deal. And I'm broken, and, and there's things I'm still learning, and there's sanctification process, which is a big theological word, $10 word, that simply means I'm a work in progress. God's still at work in me. And, and I don't ever lose that. See, we're to cultivate an undivided heart where there's no compartment that's sealed off from the lordship and the leadership of Christ. He gets to see it all. There, there isn't secret parts that we just lock the door and say, okay, you can look everywhere, buddy, or nothing to see here, nothing to see here. No, it's this reality that there's no compartmentalization. My heart is the whole deal. The real deal. Here it is. The good, the bad, the ugly. And, and you love me. And you want to work on me. I'm still a work on progress. I'm not fully done. I'm not fully there yet. But I'm a new creation. Because you say so. And so you see how this begins to work. You see how this begins to play out. See, purity is, the word pure is used a couple dozen times in the New Testament it kind of suggests a couple things. First of all, it's that when we say something is pure, it's free from impurities. It, there's no contaminants, no germs, no dirt. It's clean. There's nothing dirtying it up or, or clogging it up, right? So Amy and I had to get a new dryer uh, a few months. It's probably been a few years. I'm, I lose track of time. Uh, so like, we had to get a new dryer, right? And, and uh, we had noticed that the dryer had some ticks to it. I don't know if you notice this about your appliances, but occasionally over time, there's like just certain things about it, certain noises. And you're like, well, it seems to be drying. It seems to be working. And they came to get our new dryer because it stopped working. And, and then the guy got there. He brought in the new dryer. or Not quite yet. He's taking out the old dryer. And he like detached. I don't know if you knew that you have a hose that goes like from the back of your dryer out to the, out of the, like to the house and like blows lint and stuff. Or like you have to capture it. But anyway, so you get the idea. So this, this hose, right? And... When he, like, detached that um, and turned it upside down, it was like, um, I don't know how to not be gross, but um, there was like, I don't know, a thousand acorns. Maybe 900 uh, acorns that came out of that. And we had noticed a rattling, you know, after a few years. Um, and what we didn't realize is that the flap on the outside of the house that, like, rats were, like, or mice or, you know, just caribou, I don't know who was, but something was coming in uh, and like depositing their winter storage of food uh, into our dryer hose. So I don't know if they actually ever made it into our dryer. That's a totally different story. Um, I still wear our clothes and that's good. But anyways, we have a new dryer. Um, but 
Like, so you just realize it was clogged up with lint and all this kind of stuff. And, and when you're talking about purity, it's this idea of like living the unclogged life, that there isn't stuff that's in the way relationally between you and God or you and others. And, and, and so it's this idea of I want to pursue purity. I don't want to have those impurities floating around in the life or in the life of this relationship. The other thing about purity is like pure gold has no trace of other metals in it. It's all gold all the time. Like there's a, a purity to it. That we're to live with a pursuit of God. That our life revolves around him. He factors into all of our scenarios and situations and conversations and circumstances that we engage in. There's no place we go that he isn't there. That's kind of what he's getting at, this purity of heart, that, that his presence is here. And so it begins to filter or begin to, uh, to impact the decisions I make in the moments I'm in. And there's sometimes I, I blow that. My hunch is you're probably the same. There, there's sometimes when, um, like, I don't know if, if, if you're married or in a relationship with roommates or all that kind of stuff, when, when someone says something and you're like, I really shouldn't say what's in my head right now, but then, like, you do it anyway, and then you're like, I wish I could rewind that, and I don't know if anyone else struggles with this, but, like, that's the truth. Where does that come from? Is it just my mind, my sarcasm, my wit? No. That comes from the brokenness in me. That comes from the parts of me that says, I, I want to be domineering over you, and I don't want you to control me. That comes from the dark places that says, I got hurt, and I'm not going to get hurt again. That comes from places that sometimes we don't even remind ourselves about. Because Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whoa. See, that's not just because you're witty. You may be witty. Good for you. But, but there may be some drive behind that that's even deeper. And there may be things that you've compartmentalized away from God. Zorian Kierkegaard, a Christian philosopher, theologian, said this, purity of heart is to will one thing. The singleness of heart. And this is challenging. Because it can only really be done through the transformational work of the Holy Spirit in us. Helping us, sanctifying us, that word again. To be less of a divided self. To be more single and wholehearted in who we are. And that takes him cleaning up. And that takes him cleansing out the impurities of our own heart. Because we all have them. That's part of the sanctifying process. I am a new creation in Christ at the moment of faith. I'm a new creation, the scriptures say. I'm new but I'm still a work in progress. i am still got a construction zone around my heart and around my mind and around my actions. And God's still at work in me and helping me grow in that. I don't know if you've ever seen an echocardiogram. I have a heart murmur, and so I've grown up in certain times where I have to have that that uh, practice done and, and they kind of put some gel on you and kind of look at your heart and it shows up on the screen. You can see the four chambers of the heart. You can see how it's working. And, and to be honest, I don't know why it's always still black and white. I feel like we've made progress. But it's kind of black and white still. And there's a lot of it when I look at it, it just looks like a blob. 
And I'm like, okay, I know that's my heart because you're telling me it's my heart. And the guy's got the instrument on my heart. And, and, but, like, I can't really tell you what's going on. But an expert, someone who's been studying that and has the ability, can actually begin to point things out and say, well, okay, this is your aortic valve, and, and this is why it doesn't close all the way, and that's why you've got this heart murmur. And, and, and I can be like, well, kind of see that. Okay, but, like, I don't get it, but they get it. They're able to really see what's going on. Maybe that's what Jesus means. What if the reality is that Jesus is doing his spiritual echocardiogram on your heart? Not to see how it's pumping, but to actually say, okay, here's what's going on in here. See, in the, the biblical terms, is that your heart was kind of the seat of everything, your emotions, your will, your soul, like that, when you, you hear the word heart in Scripture, that's really what it was getting at. And I think Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, but blessed are the pure in heart. So there's some stuff going on in here that, um, yeah, I've made you new, and, and, and you're perfect in my perfection. But there's still some construction stuff. Still like a, a work in progress that I want to make in you. And are you comfortable enough, friend, to be able to have that kind of, that kind of conversation with your Savior? Because here's the beauty of it. He knows everything about you. There is nothing hidden. It's not like you snuck that past him. He sees it. But what he says and what he whispers into your heart and to my heart is, I love you. I actually like you. I'm for you and I'm with you. Now, there's some stuff in here that I want us to work on. Because this isn't going to take you where you want it to go. And so, will you let me go to work? And when we go on this journey together, will you begin to release that? See, that's some impurities here that I want to begin to take out because I want you to have a pure heart. Why do you want a pure heart? Jesus tells you. Because blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. How will you see God? Well, two specific ways. One is you and I as followers of Jesus, people who have come to a place where they put their faith, not in what they do and their merit and their works, but in what Jesus did, what he accomplished in his life and his death and his resurrection, that's the gospel. When we say yes to him, then we get the reality that we get to see God one day. We will see God in heaven. It's not that, you know, God lives in heaven and we're kind of like on the back 40 and we never really see him. We kind of get an email occasionally from him. No, we're going to be in his presence. We will see God. Paul writes about this in Corinthians as he says, look, I, I see now kind of like this shady mirror. It's like a mirror. Like I, it's a reflection. I don't even get to see. But then I'm going to see face to face. I'm going to be fully known as I am fully known. I'm going to know him face to face. That's a beautiful reality. That's the hope that holds us, that one day because he loves us, because he's done everything for us, we will see him. Uh, but secondly, it's also this reality that the pure in heart just have a way of seeing God more. I, I don't know if you've ever bought a new car, uh, or, or maybe in the process, Amy and I are in the process of looking at a like new-to-us car, right? And so like, 
we've kind of settled on two or three things. Do you realize that when you buy a new car or when you start settling on a new car, how often you see that make and model everywhere? Like everywhere you go, you're like, I didn't know these many people drew, you know, drove this, right? And, and like you start to see it, and I would plug something, but only if they would give me a free car. Uh, but anyway, okay, so like, um, but you know that car, right? And so like you start to see it everywhere you go, right? I, I wonder if that's kind of what Jesus means. Blessed are the pure in heart. You will see God. And you will see him, like, you'll see him for real one day. But for this day, beyond the extraordinary, you'll actually begin to see God in the ordinary moments of life. In the ordinary conversations with people that are followers of him and with people who are not followers of him, you'll actually begin to see him at work. In fact, you'll see his activity more and more around you and it will begin to like pop your eyes open because you'll begin to see God at work around you where you didn't see him before. Maybe you were blinded to it or you just were so busy, distracted by so many other things because you have so many impurities in your heart. But then when you kind of get to that purity of heart and you realize, okay, Jesus, he, he gave this to me and now I'm going to try to live in alignment more with him so I can actually see his activity and see his work that you begin to see him more. That you begin to see when you go to work. You see him at work. And you begin to see, when you get a paycheck, like, you begin to see, okay, this is not just a paycheck for me. This is a paycheck, like, for kingdom impact. And I begin to, to see what God's up to around me is how I invest that. And that I have these conversations with people, and it's not just my conversation with people, and I'm getting coffee and blah, 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 blah. No, no, God's at work here. Like, he was at work before you got out of your car and walked into the store. He was already there. And you begin to see him at work and people say something or they ask something and you begin to be able to respond to that. Why? Because you see God at work. You don't just see a person asking a question. You're like, oh, why are they asking that question to me? Oh, God's at work. Okay, God, how can I join you here? See, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. So here's the part of the service where I'm gonna invite you to pull out your phone again. We've been doing this through the series, right? And just opening up a, a brand new note, or maybe you've been uh, keeping a tally of this, and, and here's the very simple truth I'm asking you. What is God stirring in your heart right now? Maybe it was a, a verse we read. Maybe it was a statement I said. Maybe it was something you heard that I didn't even say. How is God stirring your heart? Because the reality is we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And, and so what does it look like to say, God, I'm going to pause for 30 seconds and just think about what we just talked about. Uh, what's here for me to hold on to? What's my takeaway? Uh, what do you have for me to, that you're, you're kind of stirring in my heart that says, I, I want to know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So take 30 seconds. Contemplate it. Think. Reflect. What does God have for you? What's he whispering to you? We'll continue in worship in a moment, and I'm going to invite you in this next song. But what does he have for you? What's he whispering to you?
I think the prayer of David in Psalm 51, it's a dark moment in David's life where some things that he had done kind of locked away, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. And God says, no, no, I saw that. I still love you, but I saw that. Now, we got to work on that. And into that moment, David writes Psalm 51, verse 10. Here's what he says. God, create a clean heart for me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. I don't think that was just a prayer for David. I think that's a prayer for every disciple, every follower of Jesus. I think that's why repentance is meant to be a rhythm of our life, not a one-time deal. See, if you want to be a person who's pure in heart, then I think it's always opening up your heart to say, Jesus, would you do kind of a spiritual echocardiogram on me? Where are we at? How am I doing? Friend, how you doing? Not just outside. Jesus isn't here just to modify your behavior. He's too big a savior for that. That's a filter. He's here to transform your heart. See, purity is not just reached by abstaining from certain things in your life. There may be a part of that you need to let go of. But it is achieved mostly by saturating by the saturating presence of God in your life. And as you saturate your life more and more with him, then then it begins to grow in purity. And so ask him to clean your heart, to change your heart, to focus your heart more and more on him. And so, Father, that's what we pray for. This next worship song that we're gonna sing is just about aligning our heart with you our lives with you, seeking you most, most often. And so in essence, I guess we're going to make this next few minutes just a prayer of our heart. For those of us watching online, those of us in the room, we're, we're going to pause and just take a moment and say, God, I give you permission to examine my heart. And maybe there was part of it I was trying to hide or part of it I was trying to hold back Part of it I was trying to filter, make it look better than it is. But the truth is, you see it. You still love me. And you want to go to work, purifying. And the reason you do that is so that we would see you more. So Father, we submit these next few moments. Would you stir us each one of us, specifically in the way that we need to be stirred up or prodded a little bit. We worship you, God, that you're a God who sees everything and you're a God who still declares you are loved. You are loved.
a secret place where I see your face. Will you take me there again? You can search my heart in the deepest part from beginning to the is weak will you help me see that you are all that I need it's true 
night uh, it's been we've been so blessed to worship with you here in the room we've been blessed to have you worshiping with us if you're at home uh, streaming now or throughout the week so just a few things before we go uh, we just want to thank all of you who give uh, who faithfully have been tithing uh, that's what allows our church to continue to do what it does to make an impact in the community so uh, if you uh, are looking for ways to give maybe you're new here we've got the the boxes in the back uh, those metal boxes you can drop that in there you can also give on that's how most people give. Uh, and so if you're, if you are new, uh, don't feel like you have to give, but what we would love is just to get to know you a little bit more. We want to connect with you and help you get connected to the church. So in the back corner back, there's the 10 minute party. Jack will be back there for about 10 minutes. So uh, anyone can go back there. And if you are new, we have a special gift for you. And I believe Jack calls it the best tasting kettle corn, this side of the Grand Canyon. So none of us are new. We don't know. We've never had it. He's never shared it. That's how special 
this kettle corn is, and we want you to have that. So, uh, and it, yeah, we've got the 10-minute party going on. We've also got e-groups uh, that are going on. We've got our college group that just started up. We're about a month into that. That's been awesome. Uh, we've been having a great time. So we'd love to, to help you get connected as well into a discipleship group, whatever it is that you're looking for for those next steps. Um, last week, we had Mother's Week, uh, Mother's Day, Mother's Week, yeah. Uh, Mother's Day, that's right. It's like Margot's birthday month, you know? She gets a whole month. She's, yeah, crazy. Anywho, but uh, Margot had yes. something special that she wanted Hi to do. Guys. Um, I would actually like to ask Amy and Anya to come up for a moment, please. And as Lyle said, last week was Mother's Day. And if you guys don't know who this is, this is Anya. This is Lyle's wife. Isn't she beauty? And then Amy is Jack's wife. And last week they did a really good job in honoring us mothers. We had some drawings and whatnot, and it was a lot of fun. But I wanted to thank you guys in particular because even, you know, as mothers, mothers raise us and spiritual mothers also raise us. And so you guys are our spiritual mothers. Do not cry because you are going to make me cry. Uh, you guys are our spiritual mothers. And so I just wanted to make sure that you guys know how much we just love you both and see that you do so much for this church and so much for these people. And I just can't thank you enough. And so we wanted to give you guys these gifts here. Uh, just a little token of how much we love you, how much we appreciate you, because you guys, can you imagine the attacks that these ladies get for being pastor's wives? And so we just want to love and honor them and let them know, again, how much we appreciate them as a church. So if you could stand up and help give them a round of applause, let them know how much they're appreciated. We love you guys. waiting for someone to start chanting speech, but that's fine. You'll probably want to get to dinner, I understand. So uh, just a blessing as you leave. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, may this week, may you be able to present your bodies by the mercy of God as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. As you do so, may it transform your mind, may it renew your mind so that you can test and approve what God's will is, his perfect, pleasing will. So go with grace. We love you, and we hope to see you soon.